0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. People should pay for good journalism where? At TheAthletic.com Where you can read a lot of good stuff. By the way, you can also take a quiz. If you want to pay a media entity to give you tests, you can do that at The Athletic, which I know doesn't sound great when I say it like that, but it's actually quite enjoyable. And we'll get to that coming up. Also, great column uh, with uh, quotes from Ryan Johansson and John Hines about how he's gone about creating this identity. Uh, really great stuff by Adam. So we'll, of course, talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, obviously, we've got Philip Forsberg on an absolute tear. We've got this team clearly knowing how to finish. You've got NHL Network raving about UC Soros. Um, it, some tweaks in the lineup. We'll get to that uh, all coming up uh, in just a second. However, Adam Vingan Make sure not only should you pay for good journalism at The Athletic. Also, check out all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network. But Gold Standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. That is correct. It is, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers. Where they do not make you pay for... A quiz. <laughs> that's, that's true. They will not give you tests when you go to Jaspers. But they also won't make you pay for parking. Uh, and in exchange for some dollars... They would give you an amazing meal, a wonderful time, great happy hour specials during Preds home and road games, $3 domestic burgers and, or domestic domestic burgers. What's a domestic burger, Adam? Um, Grass fed one with American cheese. <laughs> nicely done. Um, so three dollar domestic beers, ten dollar smash burger, of course, the gold standard cocktail as well. So make sure you go to Jasper's, everybody. Check out our wonderful sponsor. Okay, Nashville Predators they win six to one over Chicago, but apparently nobody was happy about it. Um, after the two games last week, uh, Yossi scores, Forsberg scores, Tanner Genot scores a couple in that one. Three two win over Vegas, they had a three nothing lead. They did sort of create some. Uh, you know, jittery moments there in the third period as they gave up a couple of tallies. They do win three to two, and and UC Saros was just absolutely you know brilliant again. Forty-one saves on the road. Now Vegas was not Adam fully staffed. Let's call it fully healthy. They were missing a lot of pieces. We will talk about the next. There's a big chunk of games coming up before our next show, um, so we'll talk about those coming up a little bit. But just back in the win column, uh, I believe what are they? Nine one and one in their last eleven. Um, they're basically, essentially, depending on when you're listening to this, in first place in the division. Um, all the stars are, are dominating. We'll get to Forsberg in a second, but 15-0 and one now on the season when leading after two, which means the identity that John Hines has built for this team—they uh, know how to finish, Adam. They clearly know how to finish. They have not given up a second intermission lead the entire season. Impressive, impressive statistic in my opinion.
1: It is quite impressive, and as you said. Things got a bit hairy in the third period against Vegas, similar to what we saw in their first game back against the Capitals. Um, But this time the Predators were able to shut the door um, against the Golden Knights, you know, who are a very good team. Um, You mentioned that they were a bit shorthanded. They recently lost Max Pacioretty, who was on an absolute tear uh, at the beginning of the season, I believe he had wrist surgery recently. Um, so all in all, as my, as my son wails in the background, must be a big Max Pacioretty fan that I <laughs> that I'm unaware of. Sorry, Arlo. Um, what happens when you have a baby? Um, anyway, um, you know, it, it was an impressive, it was an impressive win. And what's interesting, as you said, you alluded to it, um, in your introduction was the Predators curb stomped the Chicago Blackhawks on new year's day. Um, by the way, the Predators 10 0 and three in their past 13 games against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, yes. The Predators don't have any Stanley cups and the Blackhawks do <laughs> for you Blackhawks fans listening out there, but
0: I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's lots of Blackhawks fans listening to the show right now.
1: <laughs> n- you never know. Um, so Uh, Clearly the Predators are, have been able to dominate uh, the Blackhawks as of late, but, you know, it was interesting to hear in the lead up to the game against the Knights that the Predators weren't happy with their overall game. And um, it was a, a, a big test against a, a very good team, uh, regardless of who was not in the lineup and and the Predators were able uh, to, to win. So all in all, as you said, what, what did you say? Nine, one and one in their past 11 games. Um, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> and as we as we sit here in early January with the Predators leading the Central Division, um, as we talked about last week and probably the week before that, uh, we certainly did not I- I expect that at all. Um, but it's, it's a credit to, you know, everybody on the team. What's interesting is that you look at, you look at this team and there really are no passengers. Um, oftentimes a, a team will have maybe two or three guys going at the same time and everybody else is trying to play, you know, keep up. I can't think of a, of a, of a top player on this team that isn't pulling his weight right now. Um, everybody's playing well. I mean, you see Soros and con- continues to be incredible. Roman Yossi, Duchesne, Forsberg, Ekholm, Johansson, Grandlin, Janot, Trennan, you know, everybody I- I is doing their job. And it- it's pretty remarkable um, when you consider the, you know, where this team was just a couple of years ago.
0: Could, could I make the case? And again, obviously there's like, a, you know, a hundred games left to go, um, could you make the case that this Predators team has a top candidate for rookie of the year, a top candidate for coach of the year, a top candidate for defenseman play defensive of defenseman of the year, and a top candidate for comeback player of the year.
1: Okay. So John Hines with the Jack Adams, Roman Yossi for the Norris, um, Tanner Tanner for the Calder who, who would be in the, there. Unfortunately, there is no quote unquote comeback player of the year award in the NHL you know the the Master 10 trophy um, is sort of the equivalent of the comeback player of the year unfortunately oftentimes you know I don't think it should be for this reason but oftentimes that award is given to someone who's gone through like some incredibly horrible thing in their life and, and continued to play um, So oh did I mention Soros did I mention the Vesna And Soros with the Vesna um, so, I mean, who are you putting in that category, Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson? I, uh, or
0: both? Pick one, <laughs> probably Duchesne, but I, I, I think Johansson is in that conversation too. I think because of last year, Duchesne's production, again, even though we know what the underlying metrics said, um, I, I'm just, I, I'm not even suggesting or making the case that any of those one individual should be the front runner. Although I think I could argue probably for John Hines, as coach of the year right now um, in the NHL, there's probably a few other names that, that are worthy, but I, I think, I think it's fair to put all of those names into that conversation. And that, that, that's all I'm getting at is that in general, to your point about no passengers, I can't remember a team that has this many sort of accolade worthy conversations.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I remember, I think it was the, I guess it would have been Peter Laviolette's first year. Um heading into award season, I, I think you had a similar conversation. I think Peter, I think Peter Laviolette was a finalist for the Jack Adams that year, but you also had Philip Forsberg in the Calder Trophy conversation. And that continues to boggle my mind even like seven years later that he was not a finalist for the Calder Trophy that year. Um, <laughs> I, I think Roman Yossi was in the was in the Norris trophy discussion, Pecorina in the Vesina in the Vesna trophy discussion. Um, and I, I, ultimately they, they didn't win any awards, but you know, you have to think that if this continues, that at least one of the people that we just rattled off is going to, to win an award or, I mean, I, I think when it, when it comes to coach, when it comes to, to coach of the year, you know, you always look at, okay, which team is exceeding expectations. That's basically the, the requirement is which team is exceeding expectations, and certainly John Hines is coaching a team that is exceeding expectations. Um, and, you know, I, I would, you know, if this continues, I would be surprised if he is not a finalist. Um, and certainly it would be surprised at this rate if UC Soros is not a Vezina Trophy finalist and Roman Yossi is not a Norris Trophy finalist. Um,
0: so it, what, it, what if Tanner Geno you know, has 40 points and 20 goals?
1: Well, I was, you know, what I was thinking about. I was thinking about that the other day um, because after he scored twice against Chicago, um, he was tied with Lucas Raymond um, of the Red Wings for the for the league lead in rookie goals. And you know, I, you know, it's worth exploring. You know, it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to compare, obviously, forwards and defensemen. But I was thinking about okay, which rookie forwards um you know are, are at the top of the list and the two other that the two others that came to mind immediately were lucas raymond of the red wings and trevor's egress of the anaheim ducks so you know perhaps i perhaps i might take a deep dive into their seasons and and see if tanner you know really does indeed stack up in the calder trophy race but you know he's he's been great um and uh You know, if he, if he finishes with 20 goals and 40 points, you know, it would, you know, the the other thing you have to consider is, you know, I'd have to look at ice time, but you know, Raymond and Zegras are, are top six players for their respective teams. You know, Tanner Janot probably gets the ice time of, uh, you know, closer to the ice time of a top six player than his line, his placement on the lines would suggest, but he is a quote unquote, bottom six forward and he, and he's scoring all of those goals um so I, I think you know i think that should certainly work to his advantage too
0: so the conversation about Cal on croak is over you're suggesting it, it
1: has died a terrible terrible death
0: <laughs> thank god because i think we were some of the few people that said uh you know this tenders you know guys pr- pretty good and again go back and listen to the carl taylor episode in the summertime um you were not on that show but go back and listen to that and there's about six minutes where he just raves in detail about who who Tanner Jano is, and I don't. If you if you know anything about his backstory, I just don't think you're all that surprised. Now, rookie of the year, twenty goals. Okay, sure, that's a little surprising, but I just don't think it's that big of a surprise that that some of these young players that we saw last year grow into these roles. In particular, Tanner Jano and Yaakov Trenin. I just don't think it's a surprise that that game has continued to translate. Because of the John Hines identity, because of the coaching, and we're going to get to your, your story and sort of what this all means a little bit later on in the show. But I just don't think it's that big of a surprise. And, and I, I listen and I was, you know, I, I was on the full um, I was a, a full voting member of the Cali Yarncroke fan club. So I, I got no problem uh, saying, look, I, I love I loved having him here. But Tenders, you know, upside is, is is pretty special based on what we know about him. I still don't think anybody expected this. Um, I would of- like to say before we continue, shoot, because you're 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 you know you're right. You
1: know you, when you had when you had Carl Taylor on, on the podcast over the summertime, um, he was he was quite effusive in his praise of Tanner know, You can even go further back. At one point last season. I, I wrote a story. I did a Q&A with Ryan Worsofsky, who is the head coach of the Chicago Wolves. And of course, everybody remembers that the Predators shared uh, the Wolves with the Hurricanes last year when the Milwaukee Admirals didn't play. Um, Carl Taylor was on the staff, but Warsofsky was the head coach. So I you know, we were talking about, the, you know, the, the prospects that we you know, that were at a top of mind. We were talking about Philip Tomasino, we were talking about Rem Pitlick, we were talking about Jeremy Davies. We, and at, near the end of that conversation, I said, is there a prospect that I did not ask you about that's not getting a lot of publicity that should? Something along those lines. And, and Worsowski, similar to Taylor, just sung the praises of Tanner Jeannot. And at that time, Tanner Jeannot Tanner was an unknown commodity. And one thing that he said, Warsawski said that was very interesting to me, was he said that if I were naming a captain for this team, yeah, he would yeah. be my vote. Yeah. And, and that was, and, and, you know, at the time I was thinking Tanner should know. And then, you know, we, then shortly thereafter Tanner came up and, and the rest is history. So, you know, clearly, clearly, <laughs> if you remember, during uh, David Poyle's first uh, Zoom call after the, uh, after the expansion draft. And I think it was also the first time he had spoken to us um, after trading Ryan Ellis. I can't remember. Um, but friend of the pod, Jared Stillman, asked David Poyle about the decision uh, to protect Tanner Janot over more established players like Kelly Yarncroke. And Poyle you know, at his sassiest says, well, I think I know more about this than you do. And clearly <laughs> he was right from um, all but, of us. I think all of us were skeptical. We were no, all. No, I,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. By the way, but more uh, than others. But by, by the way, shameless promotion here. Jared Stillman uh, will be the guest on Lame Stream Sports this week. The podcast out every Friday covering Nashville sports. I didn't even and know business. that. And he mentioned how wrong he was about Tanner Janow and Callie Arncroft. So there you go. Look at all the wow synergy. and Mia look at Culver all the synergy, Jared Stellman. Like, I know, that's a big deal. I know, I know. Um, uh, so by the way, you mentioned the the Ryan Ellis trade, and I, I threw this out on the twitters. And first point, the Predators netted a point in that trade on Tuesday night. They finally got a point. They traded Ryan Ellis, and it took forty games or whatever it is. And here they have a point in the trade uh philip myers philip myers throws one at the net yakov Trenin with a beautiful deflection the first assist and the first point from either cody glass or philip myers so ryan ellis has now contributed a point to the national predators <laughs> and by the way as i said on twitter no this doesn't mean it was the wrong trade we're just having some fun being snarky and pointing out a fact it doesn't mean my opinion of the trade has changed so just settle down okay
1: Let's talk, let's break down. So we, so I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that Cody Glass may not have even had a point, although he's played in what, like four games.
0: Yeah, they've got 16, um, 16 combined games between the two of them. Four for Glass, 12 for Myers. And Tuesday night against Vegas was the first point netted by the Nashville Predators in the Ryan Ellis trade.
1: So Cali Yarncroke has four goals and 10 points in 22 games. All right. For the, for the, for the Seattle Kraken this season. He, uh, he dealt with some, COVID issues early in the season, Ryan Ellis, who just celebrated his 31st birthday, four, going, four games, one goal, five points.
0: <laughs> what a weird trade for everybody. <laughs> just a weird trade. Again, we can joke, point out that factoid and also suggest we still need a lot of time to judge the overall success or failure uh, of the trade uh, obviously still the power play has been great uh, top six, top seven in the, in the entire NHL. Quick question for you here. Um, Tomasino healthy scratch on Tuesday night, any thoughts on on what they're doing and what they're, how they're managing Philip Tomasino.
1: Not really um, because he's been, you know, a fixture in the lineup for most of the season. Um, and oftentimes with young players, uh, coaches will default to the, you know he needs a reset. He needs a, a game off to whatever. I don't know. Um, I, I think that was basically John Hines' explanation for, for for healthy scratching Philip Thomasino. Uh, but I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, I can't recall. You know he did. He was among that group of players um, that was a part of the original outbreak um, before uh, before the holidays. So he did miss some games because of that. Um, but you know outside of. You know, I think that he was scratched in their second game, if I recall correctly, after making his NHL debut, and I think he's been in the lineup ever since, yeah. minus oh, yeah. the minus the uh, COVID nineteen uh, issues. So yeah, if
0: you if you'd have told me that he would be this far into the season, I guess we're what 34 games, and he will not have he has not done a single stint in Milwaukee. I probably would have said that was a surprise. So.
1: Yeah, I would have said so too. Um, I thought there might have been a point where he would have at least gotten a few games down there. He's played 29 games, so that means he's missed what four, five?
0: Yeah, not not too many. Uh, pretty good for a like a 13 year old. Um, <laughs> so, for, let's do the, let's do Forsberg real quickly. He gets he scores on against Chicago. He scores twice. Just one of the. Most ridiculous goals you'll ever see. That only Philip Forsberg, in any Predator player in the history of the of the franchise, only only number nine can can put together a goal like that. But he scores two goals, and here's I want to start this conversation because I know where it's going to end up. But I just want to start with a public service announcement to all Predators fans, and to you and to me, Adam. Hmm. I want to see what you think about this. Discussing what the Nashville Predators should do with Philip Forsberg should never happen the day after he scores two or four goals, and it should never happen while he's injured and on IR. The discussion for Philip Forsberg, it, it should happen when like he's just having a regular stretch of games. <laughs> like I think the worst possible time to have these arguments about, should the Predators re-sign Philip Forsberg? Should they trade him? Should they let him walk? I, I feel like the worst possible time to do that is when he is at either his worst or his best. What do you think?
1: you're asking a lot of us by 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 setting those parameters um but I went back and looked at it because I am a masochist Uh, I went back and looked at Philip's stats since the day I published my column around Thanksgiving (laughs) in which I said they should not re-sign Philip Forsberg since that time (laughs) there was only one player in the NHL I think it's eight. I think it's 18 games, 15 games. I don't know. It's, it's a pretty hefty sample. Um, There's only one player in the NHL over that span that has scored more goals than Philip Forsberg. And that's Austin Matthews. Um, So, you know, look, I, you know,
0: it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't, this is what the point is. It doesn't change the dynamics of the discussion necessarily.
1: Well, there, there are a few things at play. Um, and we talked about this, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, we have gone a few weeks without talking about Philip Forsberg's future. So, you know, pat ourselves <laughs> on the back for that one. Um, but when I think about, you know, when I think about all of the conversations we had, and you just brought up the, the Ryan Ellis, Cody Glass, Philip Myers, Nolan Patrick trade, um, you know, the Predators are sitting on a lot of cap space right now. And, you know, if that space is used to re-sign Philip Forsberg, then, hey, you know, perhaps that trade looks very good in, for the Predators. Um, but...
0: You know, if, this we'll team, talk- here, if this team is in first place at the deadline, you keep him.
1: If the, Other right. than
0: that, I still think trading him is still the right move. Okay,
1: well if they're in second place? In the division. <laughs>
0: 17 17 goals in 25 games I believe is the fastest right or tied for the fastest I think you wrote this in one of your columns he reached,
1: he reached 15 goals in 24 games like 24 games for himself not for the team' right, because right. He, um, Victor Arvidsson, I think the year he scored you know the the franchise record goals um also did, scored 15 goals in his first 24 games so it was the fastest of 15 tied for the fastest to 15. He, games.
0: Forsberg's pace is 58. If you extrapolate out his current scoring 17 goals in 25 games, that is 58 goals in a season in 82. If you were to play all 82 games, which obviously he's not, it would be 58 goals, which I realize is like not a ton relative to like the history of the NHL, but would almost double the, the Predators single season record. So you have to sort of, you can like be wowed by it and also understand its relative historical context as well at the same time. Again, if this team is in first place and feels like a Stanley Cup championship contending team, which I know is hard to do, even at the start of the playoffs, because we've seen eight seeds make runs. I get it. Hockey's crazy. But if this team is in first place and they feel like they have a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup championship, then you probably need number nine to do that. If does that make sense? Like anything else? I still don't know if. $56 $56 million commitment to Philip Forsberg is the right thing for this franchise's future. I still have, I still need to see more. Does that make sense?
1: Well, one thing that I remember writing about in the, as a part of that column is you know, of course, we talked about his injury history and he had just come back from a month off um, on the injured list. Um, but, but we, you know, we, we have seen Philip Forsberg go on these runs where he scores a ton and and has a point every other game or what have you but then he disappears for a little while and I went back and looked I did a quick glance of his game log since he returned from injury I believe he's only been held without a point in consecutive games once um over this stretch and that was uh, at the beginning of December I believe it was the games in Detroit and the game in in New York against the Islanders those were the only two games in a row um since he's been back where he hasn't had at least a point and um, and look, there's also the there's also the, the contract year situation. I mean, play, you know, how many players have been have been excellent in their contract years? Look no further than number 95, who had an unbelievable year um, in his final year um, with the Senators slash Blue Jackets. And, you know, up until now, hadn't really been pulling his weight despite making eight million dollars a year the so the, the
0: smartest thing that Aaron Rodgers pa- Green Bay Packers quarterback has said the entire year in training camp when asked he said absolutely money is a motivating factor for players who have expiring contact- contracts <laughs> he, he, just finally somebody just coming out and telling the truth of course it's a motivating factor of course the fact that his he's about to earn a giant paycheck and how he's going to play this season will help dictate that that the size of that paycheck. Of course, it mo- is a motivating factor.
1: Now, here's the question. Now, this is a big if, but if Matthew Shane and Ryan Johansson continue to play like they have all season, and like we we talked about this, we talked about this many times as well. That we're, you know, their contracts were considered two of the worst in the league and they look a little bit better today because of the way they've played over the past you know all season basically sure if 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 you can i don't think you can you can't guarantee it but if you if you are confident that Ryan and Matt can continue to play this way are you more comfortable giving Philip that money
0: <laughs> it's funny cuz you can make the argument both ways right like you could argue Well, if I'm going to get really good Duchesne and Johansson, do we, we don't need Forsberg as much, but then what you're saying is you're elevating expectations from just making the playoffs to making a deep playoff run. And if you're talking about making a deep playoff run, well then you probably do need Forsberg back to my point a few minutes ago. So yes, I do think that everything around Forsberg along with the financial motivation is leading to this type of performance. He's also missed some games to injury because that's what he does. Right. So, which you've pointed out many times. Here's my question: Has your opinion since Black Friday, over a month ago when you wrote the column, has it changed? Which you are allowed to do. You're allowed to change your opinion, but is it cha- has a sixty million dollar decision changed because of one month of hockey? Oh
1: man, you know what? <laughs> I, I, you no, know, I think I think I'm I think I'm getting there. Like I I, I do believe.
0: I'm not, it's, it's hard to say. Like, I do,
1: like, I, I, I feel.
0: Is klemp the word you're looking for?
1: Uh, "klemp" means I'm sad. Oh, okay. Like that, like,
0: what, you know, what, what is the uh, like, I'm, 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 I'm tied up. I'm tongue twisted. What is that? I'm,
1: I'm conflicted. Okay. How about right. conflicted? Okay. Because everything that I wrote six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, whatever, it, it still remains, you know, valid that. He's a great player. He can do incredible things like he did against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, he, he is injury prone. He, he is also prone to, to disappearing for long stretches on the score sheet. But I think the one thing that's changed, I think the one thing that I think about the most is Philip was in an advantageous position when this season started um, because we were expecting this competitive transition rebuild, whatever and he was only committed to it for one year if he if he didn't want to to be here for this then he he could you know say i'm you know like he like what he was talking about at the beginning of the season you know i'm going to play out my contract blah 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 blah. right he was not committed to this so if if things went awry He could say, you know what? I'll suck it up this season. I'll play hard. I'll try to impress other teams. And in free agency, I'm I'm out. But think about the strides that this team has made, you know, over the past. I mean, it's over the past couple of years, but specifically this season. um, the, The direction of the team is a lot different than what we thought it would be in October. No question. And I think that is what perhaps convinces me otherwise about about philip it's less about him per se and more about what the team has done which, that, which
0: yeah, which which means per our conversation either last week or the week before about when is it okay to change expectations it sounds like adam bingen is actively in real time changing expectations for this <laughs> team and part of the reason why you would be doing that per, for example is because of what John Hines has accomplished over the last two calendar seasons. And when we return, we will explain why, Adam Vingan, after diving deep into the identity and the work John Hines has done to turn this franchise around, why you believe that it's real, that there's staying power there, and that we are not imposters. We will do all of that along with the quiz on The Athletic right here on The Gold Standard when we come back. Gold Standard, Adam Vingan of The Athletic, pay for good journalism, is brought to you by... Jaspers. Um, What you got? Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> Did you have
1: something and then you forgot about it? Being a pitch man for dummies. That, that I need. I need that book.
0: <laughs> Go to Jaspers. They have fantastic drink specials for Nashville Predators fans, specifically for you Preds fans. Uh, of course, they've got uh, great home and road specials for all predators games, $3 beers, $10 smash burger with like, which is like this double patty, like just beautiful, gorgeous mountain of a burger. Um, you got the gold standard cocktail, of course, which you can drink named after this uh, podcast here. And if you, if you tweet, you know, at all, or, you know, IG, whatever you do, make sure you post some photos of that tag Jaspers in it. Cause the cocktail is delicious. It's wonderful. The food is great. The parking is free, Adam. Parking is free. And I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, they've got a pretty spacious patio, pretty spacious bar. So if you're concerned about where things are headed, they've got a lot of space in there. Space is good right now. I can't believe we're back saying this, but Jasper's is a very spacious, very large building to sit down and enjoy a Preds game.
1: It is. And remember the Smash Burger available all the time. But especially during Predators games, you, you want to eat a smash burger while watching the Predators. It just it just seems right.
0: Now, let me ask you this. My wife thinks this is strange. This is a strange thing that I do to sandwiches. I do give them a little smash. Like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I give them like a little press, you know, like a little, a little push them down a little bit, especially around the crust to sort of even it out. You know, if it's like a, if you got like, all the different layers of a ham sandwich or whatever. You kind of, you need to like press it down a little bit so that, that it stays in place. But I definitely like pushing down and smashing my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I do it for my daughters and they like it too. Is that a weird thing?
1: You like to smash the sandwich down.
0: L- l- not like, not like, like in the truest sense of like smash, like if there was a Blackhawks car out on the plaza, you know, like not that kind of h- hardcore smashing, but like, you know, like a gentle smash. Is that weird?
1: No, I don't think so. For right. me, it's harder to do because I like a lot of stuff on my sandwiches. You know, I, I, have, I have friends that I, I have a friend who all he likes on his hamburger is ketchup. That's like, a, he that's, likes
0: that's, that's either the, a child or a serial killer. The
1: bun, the meat, and ketchup. That's if,
0: it. If, if I see someone with a piece of turkey, a piece of cheese, mayonnaise, and bread, I assume that you have a bag of fingernails in your closet and that you have probably killed somebody.
1: Ugh, I don't want to go that far.
0: I'm just saying it's a serial killer move to have a sandwich that's just like ham cheese and that's it and bread.
1: So it's harder for me to smash my sandwiches or burgers because I like to top them with lots of things and perhaps smashing it helps because then you can actually fit it in your mouth.
0: Yes, that's what I, that's my goal is not to disrupt all the stuff is to make it easier to eat you know
1: speaking of las vegas because the posters <laughs> were in las vegas on tuesday
0: speaking of a thing we weren't speaking of
1: <laughs> i know but no we're getting there so right. in las vegas in downtown las vegas so not on the strip but in the old downtown las vegas you can go to the heart attack grill which is uh famous for its very unhealthy burgers yes. that are cooked in lard basically You can get the the quadruple bypass burger, which I think is like eight thousand calories. And
0: this is um, an ad for this is an ad for Jaspers, by the way. It
1: is, it is an ad for Jaspers, which does not, uh, which is not as you know, where you can get a nice meal and not a disgusting gluttonous meal. (laughs) But you know, it's hard to smash that burger because it's so damn big. Yeah. So it's nice to. What I'm trying to say is, Jaspers is a great place to go, and you don't get, you don't eat free if you weigh 350 pounds, which is the rule at the heart attack row.
0: Wow. Go to Jasper's, everybody, and eat a salad. Alright, let's get into your your column here. We'll get to the quiz and sort of some of the games coming up. They'll play at the Kings on Thursday, at Arizona on Saturday, and they get Colorado in town on Tuesday, a team that has like you know, 14 games in hand on everybody. They've got a lot of games left. So the Colorado's still very, very dangerous and lurking. And I fully expect them to be the division champion, which is probably unfair to the job that John Hines has done. But that's what we're going to discuss, the column you write. Now, before we get into what you, what you learned by talking to John Hines, can we paint the picture for everybody? You're on the New York road trip. You're on the, ri- the trip with all these folks. And you get a chance to sort of sit down with him, just the two of you, like in, in a hotel lobby. Um, can you confirm or deny that you, in fact, gave John Hines and the National Predators COVID?
1: I can deny that because I tested negative when I returned from
0: that trip. Okay. Um, just so, just want to make sure that you didn't give John Hines COVID.
1: No, I did not give John Hines COVID and he <laughs> did not give me
0: COVID. So Whew. that's Okay, that's uh, a relief. Describe the scene and, and kind of set it, set it for everybody.
1: Sure, so uh, the Saturday in between the game against the Devils and the game against the Rangers, I, I went to the Predators team hotel, um, the New York edition on Madison Square Park, very fancy. And I sat down with John in a, in a conference room. I was wearing a mask um, and we, we talked for 40, 45 minutes. And, you know, I wanted to pick his brain about a lot of things, but specifically, um, you know, the the past two years, because, you know, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, today is the two-year anniversary of the hiring of John Hines, that being Friday, January 7th. Um, And I wanted to just get his thoughts on everything that, you know, he has gone through as a coach with this team over those two years. And you know it, it. You know he he talked about the challenges that he had to face as a new coach, which are already plentiful as is when you're hired midseason. But then he also had to do it in the midst of a pandemic that nobody could have planned for. Um, so you know it was really interesting to hear about how his communication style changed. As a result of the pandemic and not really having any time to get to know these players um, in a meaningful way. And, you know, he, he got to know them in the sense that, you know, he got to learn about who they were and their families and what they like to do outside of hockey and all of those things. But, you know, you don't get to, you don't, you don't get to learn, at least in his eyes, you, you don't get to learn about a player until you're in the battle with them in the fire, as he said, um, you know, you're not winning and losing and traveling and, and you're not experiencing the highs and lows. And it's difficult to really get a full picture of who a player is until they're in that battle with you. And when you consider the fact that he coached 32 games in his first calendar year on the job, and he did not run a full length training camp until this past September, a year and a half after he had been named coach, you know, there were a lot of obstacles thrust in his path. And I, you know, I, we, you know, we've talked a lot about the, 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 changes that this team has made, but John has changed too. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not like he, he didn't learn anything about himself. And I, I just, I really enjoyed listening to the things that he has learned about himself and how he's changed his coaching style Um, over these past two years as he's had to navigate basically three seasons that have been impacted by a pandemic.
0: I think there are, you talk about the obstacles and the hurdles and I think it's pretty obvious what the external obstacles and hurdles are, which we've talked about, right? Like COVID, the pandemic, no training camp, break, stoppage, bubble, et cetera, et cetera. It's all very obvious stuff. But the two words that came to mind from your column that indicate the adversity and the um, obstacles he had to overcome inside the building and inside the team were entitlement and fragile. Those are the two words that I took out of that story that, that sort of resonated with me, which is the, the entitlement of the best players and the, the overall general fragility of the, of the team itself, the roster mentally, physically, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, is it wrong to, re- to to sort of see that those were the two things that he needed to address as a coach? And I'm fascinated to know your order of operations as a reporter, when you, you, you have this long sit down with John Hines, you get to peel back the onion and get to know him and see what he's learned personally through this process. And, and you learn about, I had, there was a lot of entitlement in the room when I got there. Do you then reach out to Ryan Johansson and say, Hey, are you interested in talking about this thing that I just talked about with John Hines? Like, first of all, were those the two right things to pull from that story? And then number two, what was then the next process like to reach out to Ryan Johansson and say, Hey, look, you were the problem (laughs) for lack of a better phrase. I'm sort of tongue in cheek here, but like you, you guys needed to be addressed. How did that feel? Why is it working now? What was that process?
1: Well, it was, you you know, you mentioned something off the top about, COVID-19. It was, I think, two days after we sat down that John tested positive for COVID-19. And fortunately, he was asymptomatic. You know, he said after he returned from his quarantine that if they wouldn't have tested him, he probably wouldn't have even known that he had COVID-19. But, you know, shortly thereafter, um, you know, their season was, you know, shut, well, it wasn't shut down. But, you know, they went on an earlier than expected holiday break because they had so many games um, rescheduled. And then it was the holidays and it it became, it became difficult, you know, to, you know, to really do the reporting just because players that I needed to talk to were out, then it was the holidays and, you know, I had to, I had to kind of scramble a little bit. So, you know, it was, unfortunately, I, I probably wasn't able to get, not probably, I wasn't able to get as many voices in the story as I would like. You know, the reason why I emphasized Ryan um, is because one, Ryan and I have, you know, worked together now for, for uh, six years. And we were talking about anniversaries Thursday, January 6th is the six year anniversary of the Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones trade. You know, it, it can, can you believe it's been six years no, already? No. no. Um, you, say, you
0: say that every week on the show and every week I agree with you.
1: Um, so, you know, I, I have, you know, a good, I have a good relationship with Ryan where I know that I can ask him harder questions and, um, and he'll give me thoughtful answers and, you know, and and he was also here for, you know, the, for the things that John Hines was referring to, um, in terms of, you know, the, you know, the team going, you know, things going sideways, perhaps that sense of entitlement pervading the dressing room. And, you know, I thought that I wanted to talk to the top players that, John targeted, um, which were, um, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson and Matt Shane. And I thought of those three, Ryan would be able to give me the most, um, the most meat go to Jasper's, um, when it (laughs) comes to like what he was feeling and what the team was feeling. So it wasn't singling out Ryan in the sense that like you were guilty of this and no one else was, or you were more guilty of this than others. I just thought that of the people I could talk to, I thought that Ryan would be the best voice to have in that story. If I had to choose one. And unfortunately, just because of all of the extenuating circumstances, I, I you know, I had to, I had to be picky about who I spoke to if I wanted to get the story out on time. Right. Right. So there's, so there's the answer. Well, no, that. no.
0: I, what I want to know is like what, cause, cause I think you wrote about it and he put it in, you know, it's in his quotes where he was pretty open about just saying, yeah. It was on me. Now, there's also some other interesting stuff in there about film study and sort of working together to sort of like collectively elevate each other um, as a, as a as a group. But I think what I appreciated about Ryan Johansson was, yeah, I'm I'm the one who takes, and I'm paraphrasing here, I, I'm the one who takes the heat. I'm the one who takes the the, the blame for a lot of this stuff. We've been critic we've been criticized a lot, uh, and so it was on us because John Hines is pretty direct in his communication with us that that it was on us to sort of. Ha- you know recapture these sort of leading roles literally I think the quote was like something from John Hines about why why isn't this guy that we see in the playoffs playing like this in the regular season which is like literally everything that every Predators fan has ever said about about this situation so I just thought it was interesting that Ryan Johansson was so open about it I love and appreciate that he was so self-aware in all of this I think that makes him more likable and I think it makes it easier to root for him. And not that we didn't already root for him, but I think all of that was interesting from a psychological and a maturation standpoint.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think the one thing that we can, and we talked about this last week in terms of the, um, the communication style of John Hines via zoom and all of those things. Um, The, you know, he, he's, he's blunt and, Know, John Hines love John Hines isn't the you know he doesn't have a, a sparkling personality like he's not he's not Barry Trotz he's not John Cooper he's not you know whomever you know but he's a, he's a straight shooter and that's what this team needed and you know he 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 felt comfortable saying to Ryan like he like he referenced in the story like we know that he, you know the thing that was important for John to say to all of these players specifically Ryan and Matt and Phillip is Like when they were explaining to John what they needed from him, John didn't disagree with anything they were saying. He wanted them to be the top players on the team. He wanted to put them out in those situations, uh, you know, the big game situations, but he wasn't just going to give them that. And I think that, you know, you look at, look at, we'll go back to Philip Forsberg, like look at the goal. We talked about the goal he scored against the second goal he scored against the Golden Knights. I remember the one thing that John talked about when he first got to Nashville about how to bring more out of Philip Forsberg was power before skill. Those were the words that he used and go back and watch the replay, you know, until the very end of the goal of of the, of the sequence that led to the goal when he made the, the, the the sharp cut and, and, and scored on the backhand. None of that was necessarily a skill. It was I'm gonna put my shoulder down. I mean it was skill, but I was gonna, I was was, gonna, I was gonna say I was gonna say <laughs> I'm not discounting the scale, but what I'm saying is that play starts it's power, yeah, simply from Philip Forsberg putting his shoulder down yep. and blowing past Alex Petrangelo, who is no small man, FYI. Um, and you know, the skill came out through the power, and that's and that's what John wanted to see more out of from Philip. And I think you're seeing that. Um, I think that's what you're seeing. Um, when, when you, when you watch Philip play and, and John was comfortable having those conversations.
0: Let, let me ask you a really tricky question that has probably no answer because we've talked about the narrative around Peter LaViolette and when he gets places, he's a great motivator. He's a great, he can turn a program around or franchise around quickly and get the most out of players fast, but then the act wears thin what is it about John Hines? Because I still, as a, as a, you know, if I take my media hat off and I put my fan hat on, I'm just, I'm just always a cynical sort of the sky is falling doom and gloom. Like they're imposters. They can't keep this up. Like, that's how I, that's how I live life. Like as a Mets fan and a Predators fan and a, and a Tennessee alumni and <laughs> like all these other things. Um, it's not like you where you're a Duke fan. You just assume you're going to win championships
1: that's not true,
0: but, but you get my point though, right? Like I still feel like the bottom's going to come out of this team, but that's the fan in me. The media part of me is now studying deeper and getting to know the roster more and getting to study the analytics more. My, the question is, what is it about John, his skills, his talent, his communication style that would lead to the act, not wearing thin. Does that make sense? Cause clearly it's worked clearly the identity and getting rid of those two things the fragility, and the entitlement, he has removed those from this team altogether. And, and you know a Predators team when you see it now, which I love as a fan of hockey in the 90s. But what, what is it that you believe? And again, there may not be an answer here, but what is it that you believe about John Hines that allows what he's doing right now to be something that can happen long-term and be extrapolated out to many years of success?
1: That is a good question. And it's hard, it's, it's hard to, to answer succinctly. Um, You know, one thing that I think helped and, you know, one thing that I think helped is that with Peter Laviolette, I mean, all of these players that we talk about, Roman Yossi, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Matthias Ekholm, um, you know, know, at one point, Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Ellis, like they all sort of came of age under Peter Laviolette. And, you know, I can't speak to you know, what Peter was doing or not doing that may have led to these players feeling that sense of entitlement that John was referring to. And, and John mentioned that he, he knows, you know, that a lot of the players on the team really loved playing for Peter. But I think what happened, what helped was that John had zero attachment to any of these players. And I, you know, I think, and, and, and it's easier to have those conversations, I think, when you don't have that emotional attachment to these guys, at least at the time when he was having a lot of these conversations, um, or at least early on when he was slashing, you know, the ice time of Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne and relying more on Mikhail Grandin. Um
0: I, I would add that it's probably a lot easier to have a tougher conversation with a 29 and 30 year old than a 24 and 25 year old.
1: Yeah, probably. Um, Just in general. Yes. But You know, I, it's, it's a really good question and it is hard to say exactly what it is. Um, You know, I think that, I think when, when John was hired and we've talked about this a lot, you know, you looked at his record, you looked at how the devils played under John. You looked at how things went off the rails for John at the beginning of the uh, 1920 season before he was fired in early December of that year. Um, you can look at those things without the proper context and say, you know, what, why does, why is he the right coach for this, for this team, for the predators? Um, but you know, in a lot of, in, 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 a lot of ways, it's not exactly the same, of course, but in a lot of ways, the predators were going, going through something similar that the devils were going through, you know, the devils were going through a rebuild, the predators aren't going through a rebuild, but they were transitioning, uh, to, to something else. And. You know, I think they needed they needed a coach that wasn't going to to coddle his top players and stroke their egos.
0: Um, He has he has a developmental background.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that it's paid you know it's paid dividends. Um, Well, you know, it's a good question. It is a really it is a good question, and I feel like you know it's worth exploring more. Um, you know, perhaps my answer off the top of my head, uh, was not as eloquent as I would have liked it to
0: be. No, I think, I think those, I think it's, you made very good points there. Like I said, there is no, the only answer is like 24 months from now. <laughs> like we're not going to know the answer to the question for three more seasons, you know, if and when the act, quote unquote, wears thin or does not. So, like, we just don't, we just, there is no answer to the question. I'm just, I just wanted to get your insight. And I think some of those, the, the some of those two two or three of those things you just said are I think are totally worthy so great piece great story go read it got a little shout out on the broadcast of course last night as well um your conversation with John Hines in the interview and the article and um huge shout out to Ryan Johansson for just being as self-aware um as I could ever ask for a star athlete who gets paid the most money on a team I think excellent stuff by everybody involved and it's why they're in first place so um no more no more reeling on this let's let's do um I want to brag on myself a little bit, though, for a second, if that's OK. Sure. Um, and, and I'm going to brag on your readers because you posted the quiz uh, on The Athletic and I was I, I got done taking the test. I was kind of disappointed in my score because I thought I missed two questions that I definitely I, I, I haggled over and I guessed wrong. And I was pretty pissed about that. There was one question I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue what the answer was. Doesn't matter how long I thought about it. I wasn't going to get the answer. I didn't have it narrowed down. I had no cl- I had no clue. I thought I did a pretty good job. And then I went and read your, your, your comment section. And I was, first of all, proud of your readers for posting their like sixes and sevens and eights. <laughs> like, like, I got a seven or an eight out of 15 on this quiz about the Preds. A lot of details and minutiae over the last 12 months about the Nashville Predators. And so, so, congrats. So, good on all your readers for being honest about their scores. I appreciate that. And then it made me feel better about my score. What do you, I, I texted you an image, a screen grab so that I, so that I had evidence that I scored 12 out of 15 on this test. Do you have any, do you have a guess as to which question I had? Absolutely no clue what it was.
1: I have to think of the questions first. Um, I am going to say the question that you had no idea of was um, how long, <laughs> how long had it been since Matt Duchesne's previous hat trick when he had his hat trick against the Canadians? Nope, got that one right. 39, oh.
0: 39. 94, right? Something like that?
1: Something along those lines, yes. Got that one right. No, Eric, Eric
0: Goodbranson. Eric Goodbranson. No one <laughs> no one has a freaking clue which prospect was traded for Eric Goodbranson. No one has a clue. Which I, question
1: I, do you think...
0: I had no clue who any of those names were.
1: <laughs> which, which question do you think people got the most correct? Like, which...
0: Um, um, there was one that I felt was easier... Um, maybe Yossi total points. Maybe the, the question I would have to go back and look, um, I could do that right
1: now. Actually, um, You you but, can,
0: you can pull up which ones got, got the most right. And the most wrong.
1: Yes. On Google forms, they'll tell you which Ooh, questions like that. are, uh, which questions trip up the most people. Uh,
0: um, I was, I was pretty proud of a few of them. Um, while well, you're looking that up, here's the three I got wrong. I, I missed the Eric Goodbranson question. Mm-hmm. I missed the uh, Rocco Grimaldi hat trick. I and I was pissed at myself cuz I was like it's either 234 or 556. I'll just go with the most unlikely like the most likely and I'll go with the 556. That one pissed me off. I knew that that Saros did not finish in the top uh, 4 in the Vez in the voting. I knew it was either 5 or 6 and I just guessed 5 and I got that one wrong. Those are the only 3 I got wrong. So, I felt pretty good about 12 out of 12 out of 15.
1: All right, so let's run let's run down. Let's run through this. I'll be very, I'll be as quick as I can. Yep. Um, so f- the first question predators entered the holiday break on the seven game winning streak. It is their longest since winning 10 in a row in which season. The answer was 2017, 18, 53.2% right. 2. of responders were correct on that particular question. Okay. So I'm looking, I'm looking to see, I'll, I'll, I'll try to,
0: I'll, I'll read the, I'll read the questions. You give me the percentages. How about that? Okay. The Predators went 7 and one against which team in the realigned Central Division last season? No brainer, Chicago Blackhawks. That How many people correct. got that right? Forty
1: point nine percent of respondents were correct. That's the Blue Jackets were second in terms of people who chose that answer. Uh,
0: that's disappointing. That's disappointing. I'm disappointed in you, Preds fans. Which prospect did the Predators give up to acquire Eric Goodbranson? Um, if 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 ten percent of people got this right, I'd be pissed.
1: Brandon Fortunato was the correct answer. 42.9% of respondents got that question correct.
0: More people knew who was traded for Eric Goodbranson that they they went undefeated against the Blackhawks last year. I'm so disappointed in you guys. Um, Who led the Nashville Predators in points this calendar year? Of course, that was uh, Roman Yossi. Correct. 49.2% got that correct. Okay. Who scored the most power play goals for the Predators this calendar year? I went with Ellie Tolvanen. That is correct.
1: 29.4% okay. chose Ellie 12, and then 33.5% chose Roman Yossi. 22.7% chose Matt Duchesne. 14.5% chose Mikhail
0: Grant. Uh the, the Grimaldi hat trick was 2.34, 2 minutes and 34 seconds, of course. Correct. Which is...
1: 36.4%. Uh, okay. Got that correct.
0: Uh, Predators record in the second half of the 2021 season, 27-1. and one. We've mentioned that number a million times on the show, so you should get it right. How many correct. people got it
1: right? 60, 60.5%.
0: All right. Which player did not score an overtime game winning goal in the Predators first round series? Now I knew it was Aho and Stahl, and I was debating Cunning and Stevens, and I was like, I'm I, I almost I'm, I'm almost hundred percent positive it's Cunnin. So I, I went with Colton Sissons, which of course is correct. How many correct that?
1: Colton Sissons is correct? The other player was Matt Duchesne who scored yep, an overtime. Right. This is 50.5% got that correct.
0: Okay. That's good. Uh, which member of the Titans doused himself with beer. I hope that is 100% correct. Taylor LeJuan.
1: Taylor LeJuan, 93% <laughs> uh, got that correct. Um, I, I would like to give a shout out to the 2.2% that shows Mike Vrabel. That's, that's um,
0: tremendous. Uh, Pe- Pecorine so shut out that. in his final start of his career, of course, was against Carolina because they came back and played them. Like the very like two days later in the playoffs. So correct,
1: sixty-six point four percent got that correct. Um,
0: yes. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, Matthias Ekholm, twenty-five million dollars was the total value on his contract. Six and a quarter, exactly the same as Ryan Ellis. Uh,
1: it was that is correct, twenty-five million. Uh, twenty-five point one percent. Okay, uh, chose twenty-five million. Thirty-three point seven percent chose twenty-four million. 27.3 percent chose 22 and a half million, which if I recall correctly was the total dollar amount of his previous contract, ah. it was 22 and a half. So that's that was the that was the sneaky
0: Tanner Janot scored his 10th goal in his 28th career game. Who's the only predators rookie to go faster than that? And of course, Alexander Radulov is the answer. That. that
1: is correct. 61.3%. Ooh, nice. Chose Alex Radulov. We did talk about that on this show. Yeah. Philip Forsberg was the second most chosen option at 23.1%. Followed by Victor Arvidsson at 10.6 and Kevin
0: Fiala at 5.1. Matt Duchesne's uh, time spent between hat tricks: 3,669 days. I love correct. that you just. I love that you put that one as the light, the, the shortest time, and then just added <laughs> added days after that. Um, how many got that one right? 24.8 uh, percent got that okay. correct. So about a four, about a quarter. Who recorded the primary assist on each of Philip Forsberg's four goals? This should be a no-brainer. Also,
1: it was Mikael Granlund. Eighty-two point four percent of respondents chose
0: that correctly. Um, and Saros finishing in the Vesna Trophy voting, he finished sixth. Of course, how many got that right?
1: Nineteen uh, percent.
0: So, the, so the two most correct questions were Mikael Granlund with four assists and yes. Taylor Lewan being doused with beer. There you go. Right. That, that, so that sounds it, right. That sounds right. That sounds. So, right. so the question. So you know, I had fun with that
1: question, the the Taylor Lewan question, because I was trying to choose. Okay, who were three other members of the Titans that would do something? <laughs> like? And you know, I, I put Kevin Byer just because local guy, you know, fun-loving guys, you know, from afar. Um, you know, maybe he would do something like that. I was thinking about all of the guys that were on the, uh, I guess, the Titans' offensive line when they did it during the playoffs. And I wasn't sure how many of those guys were still on the team. Um, you know, I, I was hoping to trip some people up with Mike Vrabel just because I know he's the coach, so he has oh, to. It sounds.
0: It sounds like you did, kind of, but.
1: Now, you know, 2%. Yes. 2.11. I tripped up 11 people,
0: uh, <laughs> 11, with, 11 people,
1: uh, 11. Well, it was, if you combine buyer, John new Smith was the other choice buyer, John new Smith and Mike Rabel. That was 36 <laughs> people who did not choose Taylor Lewan.
0: I am honored and proud of myself. Uh, I'm honored with myself and proud of myself for getting 12 out of 15. Correct. So pretty, I will say this, pretty happy the, about that.
1: you know, so the, Third, excuse me. Six people who participated uh, got 13 out of 15, uh, which was the highest. Nobody got 14, and nobody right. got a, yeah. Nobody got 14, and nobody got a perfect score. The median was seven out of 15. Um, the average was 7.29 out of 15. So there you have it. There you have so it. You have so it. about half. About this is half what, of the class.
0: This is why you pay for good journalism. You get really incredible, in-depth, thoughtful analysis with behind-the-scenes commentary from ryan johansson and john hines about why the franchise is in first place right now and a quiz about being doused with beer that's why you subscribe to the athletic that is why you pay for good journalism adam vingen where can people follow you they can follow me at twitter at adam vingen on the instas also at adam
1: vingen which is just basically pictures of my son and my tattoos
0: you can you can catch me at jaspers on west end during Preds games, home and road, great happy hour specials, burgers and beer, free parking, all of that great stuff as well. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden at 440 Sports and check out the YouTube page as well. That thing is brand new and up and running, so make sure you check that out as well. Thank you guys all for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back next week talking more Preds hockey. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.